And sometimes, again, people are looking to so many things at the same time that they forget what is going to be the most impactful thing that they can do today. This is The Playbook. I'm here live at the Blue Wire Studios in the lobby of the Wynn Hotel in Las Vegas. I am so excited because I have someone that actually I've wanted to meet, Daniel Lamar. He is the executive vice chairman of the board of the infamous Cirque du Soleil. Welcome to The Playbook. Thank you, David. I'm so excited to finally meet you. It's so amazing because, you know, being a fairly notable sports agent around celebrities, athletes, and entertainers, it's always the more eclectic people that I fanboy over. And I am just a huge fan of Cirque, been to all the shows, and I'll tell you why is that, you know, coming from the sports and entertainment world, I know the general mass of the popular uh, content. Football, for example, my favorite, popular two to one to any other sport. It doesn't have the same frequency or creativity or what I call genius, which I define as an expression of God. That's something like Cirque has. And the very first time I experienced, I said, wow, this may not speak to everyone, but it is so powerful that it's going to re resonate deeply with many people. And being the executive vice chair of such a content platform, you must have an interesting perspective on that frequency and how it re is relative to creativity. Yeah, I do for sure. And, uh, you know, having been the CEO of the company for 20 years and, and, and now in my new capacity, uh, I can appreciate it even more. And, and the one thing I, I'd like to come back, because you mentioned a lot sports and entertainment, and I think that Cirque du Soleil is just at the junction of sports and entertainment. Agreed. Because a lot of our artists are former uh, Olympic athletes. Almost all of your artists are extreme athletes. Yeah, no, yeah. you're right, for sure. And, uh, and, and, and what's good is that we have been able to take those athletes because that was their basis, and then transform it through the creativity of our creators and at the time of our founder, Guy Laliberté, and move them from athletes to artists. And I think that's one of the reasons why what we present is so different and so special. And it really is. And you've written a book that you're releasing here in, uh, in about a week, um, and it's January 18th, in case people want to know. And it's interesting because... You've taken now all the lessons that you've learned through this unique journey of over, you said, 20... 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. Incredible. And you wrote a book called Balancing Acts, Unleashing the Power of Creativity in Your Life and Work, which I found uh, interesting that it wasn't really about balancing act in the entertainment sense. You utilized what you've learned, creativity with balancing life and work, and I'm going to start by asking you something. Uh, I do a lot of work with SAP. And uh, Ann Rosenberg was the senior vice president of SAP who talks about creativity and imagination and that this is a big fear in the corporate world that our technology has surpassed our imagination and creativity. So I wanted to start by saying, is there a disruption in the balance of life and work because of technology deterring or limiting our creativity? Or do you see it as you've utilized it at Cirque du Soleil, where it's obvious the technology is enhancing creativity and imagination? Yeah, I, I see it as a 
springboard of creativity. And, and the one thing and the reasons why I did the book is because when I started Cirque, I was a, I was a traditional business person. Me and, too. <laughs> <laughs> and having the chance, David, to work with the founders, Guy La Liberté, and then after that to work with amazing creators, you know, such as, you know, we've been working with Paul McCartney. We've been working with James Cameron. We've been working with Robert Lepage, who did Ka. So observing the creativity of those people made me moved from a boring traditional business guy to a more creative business guy. And, and that's why we're talking about balancing act because it's, it's the reasoning about, you know, the business side of the business and the artistic side of the business. And I think I moved from business to be more central between the creators, the artists and the business people. And in the same respect between life and work, there needs to be a balance, or I call it a reconciliation, because I am someone who believes in infinity and oneness of all. And when I think in terms of balancing, I prefer to see it as a reconciliation. How do we utilize ourselves in the best capacity of work and play or work in life, uh, especially balancing what we sometimes lose perspective of what's most important to us with what we're doing. There's an old saying, don't get so busy working, you forget to make money. But I also tell people, don't get so busy working that you forget what's non-negotiable in your life, like your health, uh, which, you know, you get as many wishes as you want when you're healthy, but as you see from your athletes, if you're unhealthy, you only have one wish, but also your family. Yeah. And how does that reflect in, in your book as well? I think the core of what you're describing right now is key. And, and in my own word, I, I'd like to talk about the purpose, you know, because there, there has been a lot of research done about who are the people that are happy in life and who are the people that are not. And when you wake up in the morning and you know your purpose, you know why you're working up, normally you will be very happy, very passionate, and enjoy what, we, what you're doing. Unfortunately, as you said, Sometimes people are too busy being busy and they just forget to think about why are they waking up today? What do they have to accomplish? What will fulfill their need in order for them to be happy? And, and, and that's also something that I've learned a lot from our creators and from our artists because when they wake up in the morning, they're so passionate about doing the O show tonight that you know, they know they have a purpose. And their purpose is to make people entertain and to make people happy and to make people inspired by what they do. You know, Guy is a, a fabulous entrepreneur and creator, a, a genius, right? I always say those that can express God uh, are geniuses and it's just an expression of the truth. And I, I love all of the shows and I can imagine, though, your personality and your background seems to be more like mine when I started my journey. I would be curious to know, what were some of the early conflicts or uh, disagreements that you and Guy may have had when you came in as more a pencil-pushing, uh, truly ag aggressive business person, profit-oriented, I assume, working with such an enormous <laughs> creative uh, person? Yeah, it's interesting uh, because in, in, in 20 years of working together, we only had one, one, one major issue. But for the rest of it, when you're in front of a visionary, 
when you're in front of an entrepreneur, you never say no. So I never said no to Guy. Mm -hmm. I always said, yes, Guy, we will analyze it or we will evaluate it. And, and, and then we'll do the homework and then we'll come back to him. And what it, when it makes sense, you know, as, because he's also a very smart business guy, obviously building the company he built. But w I never saw Guy arguing with numbers. When the numbers were wrong, you will look at me and he says, okay, I got it. Thank you. Let's move on to the next project. And, and that's why he's more successful than many of the artists that I know because he, also, he is also gifted as an entrepreneur. And that's why Cirque is what it is today. One of the things that a lot of people probably don't think about when they see Cirque or uh, you know, see in the background of how it's created is a word called humility. You know, I look for this a lot in, the, in its genius. I, I look for humility of people that are creating and saying, you know, I don't know what I don't know. I'm really good at certain things, but I don't know everything and I don't know what I don't know. And it seems like your relationship with Guy is you had this mutual radical humility that, you know, I really don't know. And he respects what I do well and Guy respected what you did well. How important in the background of Cirque with all the success, all the athletes and the competitive, you know, it's fierce. You know, I have a few friends that were athletes or entertainers for you. It's no joke. Yeah, no, it, it's not. And, and, and how do you deal with humility? Yeah, I, I think this is key. And I wouldn't like to say that it's easy, but I think it's natural in our type of shows that we are developing because, because if you look to a Cirque du Soleil show, there is no star. The show is the star. When I say that, what do I mean? I mean that it's a collective. So nobody can show up this morning and say, I will do, you know, O or I will do Ka. It, it, it's impossible. It takes 200 people to deliver a show of that magnitude. And, and, and the reasons why I'm, I'm going back to the stage is because it's a collective. Therefore, when you go back to the offices, it doesn't matter if you're Guy, Daniel, or whomever. You have to think that you need all those people to deliver what you want to deliver. And that's why I'm not saying it's easy, but it's more natural for us to be humble because if you're not, it won't work at Cirque. I love that. And, you know, every great author and executive entrepreneur, athlete, celebrity, billionaire, millionaire that I've had on had certain books, usually being people of our age. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, if they're younger, I might say podcast or something else. But were there any significant books that you read that have changed your life or perspective as you got older and more experienced and said, wow, you know, Napoleon Hill, uh, you know, or, or someone along these lines, are, are there certain authors that you feel have really changed your perspective? Yeah, I, I've, I love to, 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 to read biographies. So I've, I've read a lot of biographies and obviously I was, I was ticked by a lot of major, you know, leaders such as Churchill, Kennedy, and, and, and others. Most recently, I have to say that I've been very impressed by, uh, you know, the book that Mr. Catful uh, wrote on uh, Pixar, uh, the one that Bob yeah. Iger, that I know very well, wrote on Disney. And it also inspired me to say, okay, 
Because what I like about those two books is that it was not about them. It was about their learnings. And it has influenced me a lot to make sure that I forgot Daniel. I think the experience that I've got, you know, I'm not a big guy, but I had the opportunity to meet a lot of important people in my life and that influenced me, changed me, hopefully make me a little bit better. And that's what I want to share with people, that when they read it, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they will learn from it. And uh, again, I insist it's not a biography, it's, it's, it's learning. I love that. And one of my favorites was with Ben Franklin, especially because the lesson that I learned later on in life was simply to ask for help, to become an investment of other people and allow them to give to you is as much of a value as you giving to others. And it's hard or sometimes counterintuitive to people to understand receiving is equal or, or the same as giving, but it's been a huge lesson through an autobiography as well that wasn't necessarily about a great leader or a great uh, mi mindset mastermind like uh, Ben Franklin, but these lessons are great. 20 years from now, when kids are reading your book or listening to the audio book or watching the virtual uh, rendition of it, <laughs> your hologram uh, on their phone, <laughs> um, what lessons do you want them to take away from, from your book? Yeah, I want them, I want this book to be a trigger for them to say, if Guy La Liberté and Daniel and the team did that 20 years ago, here's the next breakthrough I'm going to have. Because when I talk about creativity, that's what I'm talking about. Someone should be in the lookout every day about what is the next breakthrough? What am I going to invent tomorrow that is going to change the world? And, and, and that's what I hope. I hope that if you're a young kid today, if you're 20 years old, I hope you, 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 you s still think that you can change the world. And the way you're going to change it is by inventing something or bringing a new idea or bringing a new business model or bringing a new way of, 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 of developing uh, artistic content. So that's my wish. And it's beautiful because I see you know, the imagination uh, if it is, you know, stifled, then we lose possibilities. I, you know, I try to encourage children, especially that every time you imagine something, it becomes a possibility, a mathematical advantage. And if you can become inspired like a Danielle or Guy, then it becomes a probability. But the interesting thing that you and Guy were able to do is not only have all of these possibilities, then you narrowed them down to what truly inspired you to become a probability. But then both of you seem to have a very pragmatic side, you more than him, uh, to have the discipline, uh, strategy, awareness, these habits in order to effectuate a probability to a perspective or reality. And I use Ray Kroc as one of my favorite examples because Dick McDonald and his brother were creatives. They created a speedy system for that's utilized for billions and billions of dollars for fast food everywhere. Uh, but it's Ray Kroc that took the probability, the inspiration, and made it a reality. How much of your book and how much of your mission is driven to not only inspire the possibilities and probabilities of imagination and inspiration, but to get to some of the brass tacks of discipline and strategy and awareness that it takes to manifest or to materialize these inspirations. 
Yeah, I, I think it's very important from the get-go that you understand where you want to go. Because I always say to someone, you know, if you don't know that you're going to New York, maybe you end up in Jacksonville. And, yeah. and, 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 There's and a big difference. It, there is a big difference. You know, <laughs> I have nothing against Jacksonville. And, and you can go to Jacksonville if you so desire. But you have to decide first where you want to go. What's, what's the ultimate objective? And then from there, really have a plan. And, and, and really be disciplined about that. And, and in today's world, where we are bombarded by a lot of information and a lot of distractions, it's very, very tough to stay focused. And that's also something I'm asking to someone. Say, look, if it's your ultimate goal, remain focused on that goal and put together all the steps it takes to bring you there. And that's why I'm encouraging people today just don't have a crazy idea, but make your crazy idea, make your dream come true by having a very well-disciplined plan. Well, you seem like an expert in truly being a balancing act yourself between work and life at its highest level in both aspects by you know, knowing and teaching, uh, which is critical, the teaching component as well, to empower others to know what you want, know who you can help and who can help you. You seem to have a great perspective on how to get it done with the variety of intellectual and emotional uh, you know, capabilities that a lot of people may need to develop. But also one key thing I see when you're so successful um, is the ability to prioritize to know what's important versus what's urgent, to be able to make quick decisions that are aligned with the what, the who, and the how that allow you then to apply this great inspiration, apply the why, to know you're already happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. And I'm not going to interfere with it because I know exactly this direction, like you said, and I have formulas and strategies and disciplines to do so. How important is it to prioritize and to know what's important to you not to what other people or what's missing or what you don't want, but to you. Yeah, I, I think it's key. And it's not something that is abstract. It's very, very concrete and it's very precise. What can I do today that will impact on my number one priority? So if my number one priority is to create a new show, then what am I doing today to make that new show happen? Or if my priority today is to enhance the marketing of a show, then what am I going to do today to influence that? And, and sometimes, again, people are looking to so many things at the same time that they forget what is going to be the most impactful thing that they can do today. And for me, this is key. And, 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 and yes, you have to have a plan. And yes, you have to define what you're going to do in the next six months. But let's agree on what you can do today that will be impactful. I could not said it better myself. I've been teaching New Day resolutions, telling people all the time that we got to take a perspective of what are you going to do today? Take into consideration the New Year's resolutions, intermediate and long-term objectives, but what are you going to do today with what's most important to you? And you've articulated that so well, especially in the new book that's coming out, Balancing Act, which everybody should get. Go. It's unleashing the power of creativity in your life and work. The incredible Danielle Lamar, He's the executive vice chair of Cirque du Soleil, the former CEO, by the way, for two decades. So if you wonder where 
all of this great success comes from is from great leaders that I define as intelligent followers. And you certainly have taken on that air of radical humility as an intelligent follower. And please come back and visit me since you're so close to my new studio here. 